Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. This is your Royal Ascot Day 3, Day 4 and Day 5 preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own racing tipster, Andy Holding. Now, the reason for this, normally we do individual days and previews, but we're recording this the week before to get these previews to you as early as possible. And as such, we don't have final fields, we don't have uh, final decks in yet. So we're just going to go through all the races that are priced up, three or four on each day. Uh, as one bumper preview and uh, if there are any of the handicaps that Andy's got fancies in uh, they'll of course be part of his column on the week itself. We've already recorded day one and day two previews in full so you can find those on the Odds Check YouTube channel now but without you know we've been here for a while Andy we don't need any more small talk we can get straight into the racing and first up on the Thursday um, we've got the Norfolk uh, which is the 2.30 the first race on the card and here Elite status, all the rage, uh, six to four favourite. American Rascal, I hope you can tell us about, you say you've gone through the Wesley Ward horses uh, already, is 11 to four. River Tiber, um, who we probably don't anticipate will we'll take up this uh, opportunity, is seven to one. Devious, 12 to one. Uh, Noche Magica is 12 to one. Maximum Impact, who we discussed on the, on the day two preview, is 14 to one, 20 to one bar those. Again, a race that, you know, it, it may be a, a fairly small field, um, but at the moment, it already looks like a match between the top two. Yeah, uh, <coughs> like a lot of the other TR races, we're dealing with sort of 20 runner fields or even more. I think the Windsor Castle have a maximum field. Um, mm. I don't think we'll get that here. We don't often get anything above 10 in, in the Norfolk. It's, it's the classiest of the, 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 the five furlong um, two-year-old contests, uh, certainly for, for the Colts anyway. Um, I mean, just have to be blown away by elite status's performance not only on the eye at, at Sandown when he won the national stakes, but on the clock as well. We're, I, th- I, just, I just think we're dealing with a totally different kind of horse that we, we have done in, in previous years gone by um, with regards to the juveniles. I, I think a lot of perhaps to do with it is the, the pre-training and the, the way that they're brought on. You know, with, obviously with the breeze-ups, there's obviously a, a, a huge clamour to get the best breeze-up horse and the way that they're... Um, um, trains specifically to to be more precocious, um, and and that's backed up on the clock. I mean, like I was looking back at some of the previous records for like the Coventry and, and what time figures we got, what numbers we awarded them. The likes of uh, Arizona, for instance, we'd we'd have like a speed figure of eighty six going into Royal Ascot. Rajasinghe Singh, when he'd, he'd have like an eighty five. Um, Nanda Parada was a seventy eight. Berkshire Shadow was a seventy nine. These are the kind of figures we used to get. Now we're getting horses that, like, scarily are doing nine, over 90, but 95 and yeah, almost yeah. like going towards 100, like, which is mm. like group one older horse state. state. It's like, what on earth is going on? It's almost like unfathomable how these juveniles are, are capable of uh, running such big numbers. Unfortunately, my way of thinking is that there's only one way down, one way for them, and that's come backwards. Yeah. Because they're almost like hitting it out the park that early. Yeah that they can't possibly keep running to those numbers. There's no, no way for the, where for them to go. So I'm not saying for one minute we've seen the best of elite status, but he sets an unbelievable bar. Like, I think the... What number did he, has he run on his two runs? 90, 96, 97, I think Sam got him doing, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, n- normally that would be, he'd be the daddy, like, coming into Alaska. We have got a horse um, that has run quicker than elite status. We'll, we'll get, we'll get on to that in another preview. Um, but as regards five furlong form, he sets a, a huge standard. And I think the, the American horses normally where they, they would 
be above average and beat our two-year-olds because uh, an above average American horse probably would be more switched on and stronger yeah. and, and more streetwise. I don't think that's the case nowadays. So I think uh, as much admiration I have for, for Wesley Ward with American Rascal, who did look good on the Ike Keeneland, he's going to have to be very good to beat elite status. He's just got explosive power. Um, and he beat a really good field that day at the Asia track. I mean, Hackman had done a good time at Chester. He was third, well beaten. I mean, he was five, lengths behind, five six, seven lengths behind um, Carl Burke's horse. And reading Carl Burke's um, sort of reports and his, and his um, blogs uh, afterwards, and then the builders were all Ascot. It's as if the elite status two performances were just a stepping stone to Royal Ascot. Yeah. He's going to get better. He's left something to work with. So if that's the case, I mean, God only knows what, what he, he's going to do at Ascot. I was very confident of Dramatise winning last year in the, in the Queen Mary based on the numbers and her profile and just what she did on the eye. Um, but I think this is Carver's best two-year-old, uh, and even though he's got four or five stellar juveniles this season. So I, I actually think six to four in the scheme of things is still not a bad price. Six to four, elite status, not a bad price. There you go. An absolute superstar coming to Royal Ascot in the Norfolk there. Uh, the one for Andy at the top end of the market. Um, the second race we can preview on Thursday at Royal Ascot is the Ribblesdale. Uh, Infinite Cosmos is the 4-1 to one favourite ahead of uh, Oaks winner Soul Sister at 5-1. to one. Blue Stocking 11-2. to two. Save the Last Dance 7-1. to one. Running Lion 12-1. to one. Warm Heart 12-1. to one. Be Happy is a sea of blue on odds checker 14-1. to one. Uh, As is At is uh, 14s. As is a Village Voice 16-1 to one bar those. Uh, really intriguing won this one, Andy. Uh, how do you see the market as it is now? Yeah, the, the guys, the guys in the in the office um, got me to just do a, a little bit of a small anti-post um, conversation piece of the day, uh, and perhaps put up a couple of selections and just pick a few races whereby I thought there might be a bit of an angle to be had um, based on some of the leading contenders, perhaps not running. And I, I thought I just chose this one because I thought, well, Solstice is highly unlikely to come here, having yeah. won. The Oaks, only, only what will be 20 days prior. Um, Save the last dance, ran like she had square wheels in the, in, the, in, the, in the Epsom Classic, whereas on soft ground she looked really good um, at Chester. So I don't think she'll be turning up um, um, under any circumstances. Uh, running line, I think, um, runs this weekend in the um, Prix de Diane, the, the French um, Oaks. So we've got three big players who are all quoted 10 to 1 or below, mm. likely to go elsewhere. So I, I was looking at that form at Newbury of, of listed race won by Warm Heart. Now, I think the vibes are that maybe now she might not necessarily go and there's been money for one or two other Aidan O'Brien horses. So pending Warm Heart not running, I was very keen on Blue Stocking. Um, she was second that day, but I just love the way she went through that race at Newbury. She looked very, very... Um, Prepossessing to the eye as well. Big, strong, scopey filly with, with loads um, more to come um, from her. Um, and she was going very strongly at the finish. Um, I think that run would have been very beneficial to her. And Ralph Beckett's had a really good season with yeah. his sort of three-year-olds and four-year-olds um, so far. So I think it'll take a good horse to knock her, uh, knock her or lower her colours. And I, I think 11-2 for her to be in the frame is... He's a decent each way bet as we stand. So 11 and 2, that's with William Hill uh, getting yeah, very a, good price. A fifth of three. And as you say, if Soul Sister comes out, so, uh, say the last dance comes out, Running Lion comes out, and Warm Heart comes out, 
I think she'd be a four to one shot on the day. Mm. I, I think Infinite Cosmos having finished third to Soul Sister at York, everyone will look at that music door form and put two and two together and think, well, that's the that's the form. But I actually don't think that. I think the music door obviously produced the winner, but beyond that, I, th I didn't think the, the the rest of the field were that great that day. And I thought I think the the, the Epsom Oaks was just such a poor time figure, and the, the come home time was so slow, and it just I'm still not absolutely convinced around that soul sister form line mm. um, I just don't think a lot of horses turned up at Epsom you know the fact that I greatly suspect that the horse of Jack Chandler's fin finished um, runner up uh, sorry third in, in uh, close up third in, in the Epsom Oaks cast shadows of, of, of doubt over that form line so yeah I'm looking for a, a different kind of pool of horses to concentrate on here and, and Blue Stocking is the, is the leader in that pack Blue Stocking the selection for Andy there bit of each way thievery at 11 to 2 before the race cuts up uh, the final race uh, we can preview here uh, on the Thursday is the Ascot Gold Cup, where we've got joint favourites Eldar, Eldarov, and Coltrane, both three to one favourites. Emily Dickinson seven to one, uh, Courage Monami is ten to one, Yabir ten to one, Subjectivist ten to one, Broom twelve to one, Echoes and Rain fourteens twenty to one. Bar those, Andy. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a fascinating race, the Gold Cup. Um, it's a race I, I struggle to have a bet in most of the time because I, I think it's quite a good watch rather than getting involved in. And I think this year is no different. Very, very trappy to get your head around. Uh, there's a definite changing of the guard now, isn't he? You know, True Shan's obviously on the way out. Um, unfortunately, he's missed the last two Gold Cups because the rain hasn't come for him. He's been really, really unlucky. And we've always had, you know, a, a, a Cripsios, a, a leading light that's just been very difficult to beat. You know, Stradivarius is no longer with us as well. So a totally different pool of horses and, and a lot of horses that have yet to run over this sort of trip. A lot of good mile six, two mile horses such as Yabir, um, Elder, Elder, uh, Elderoff, Emily Dickinson, Corage Monami, obviously that's been put up in dispatches by some good judges, um, almost a little bit of a flyer taken on him. But every time I can't keep coming and looking and coming back round to this race and, and thinking, well, what, you know, what's, what's the obvious pick? It, it, it hits me every time, that's Coltrane. Mm. He's just almost bomb-proof to me. There's a little bit that's almost like snobbery attached to him as well, and I think because he's, you know, he's, he's a particularly sexy horse and, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got that kind of like a, a grinder's mentality rather than a, you know, he, he doesn't wow you with his brilliance, but he just keeps getting the job done and he keeps improving. I mean, he won the handicap here last year, beating a good field, even though it was only a handicap. You know, you still have to be a good horse to win those um, yeah. races against several other well-handicapped horses, particularly from the Willie Mullins um, um, set-up. I don't think he got enough credit for that that day. Uh, and since then, he's just gone through the roof. Um, ended up running a, a, a tremendous race um, in, in, in Ascot last season. And then, of course, he won the Cigarro first time off the bat. Not a stellar field. You know, he did only beat Wise Al, but he, he was super strong at the finish. But once again, he proved his suitability to the track. Um, and we know he stays two and a half miles, whereas you can't say that against quite a few others. Mm. So I think three to one's fairly solid for him. Um, it's hard to see how Coltrane's not going to turn up here and run his normal race. And a Coltrane normal race, I think, it's going to make him very difficult to beat. So, yeah, he's 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 sort of like the no nonsense, no frills bet for me here. Coltrane three to one there for the Asset Gold Cup, pretty much across the board. You got Bet Three Six Five, Sky Bet, Paddy's, Betfair Sportsbook, Star Sports, Bet UK, and Betway all three to one. Um, as I say, vying for favouritism with Eldar Elderov, but no question for Andy who the value is uh, for the Ascot Gold Cup on Thursday. 
Uh, on to Friday's racing now, and we're going to kick off with the Albany, which is the first race on the card, another two-year-old race where Andy's speed figures obviously come in very handy. Uh, we've got joint favourites at the top of the market, Soprano and Jabara are both 4-1, to one. Porta Fortuna 6-1, to one, and Matrika 7-1, to one. Carla's way 8-1 to one with Navassa, Navassa Island 12-1 to one by those. And Andy, you say sometimes in your mind the market and your figures don't align for two-year-old races. We've had one where it did. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, shout goes out to Sam and Andy who, who basically <coughs> punch all the numbers in that they, you know, provide yeah. the data for us to sort of like analyse. Um, so uh, without them, um, I'd be struggling to be fair. Um, so it, it obviously gives me a good guide when I'm looking at those races where, you know, where uh, where the best horses are likely to come from, yeah. how to source them. Obviously, you know, you have to do all the analysis and, um, you know, there's all the factors in it as well. Um, but so far, we have... Um, couple of horses that stand out here one of them is Carla's Way um, I thought visually she was quite quite impressive at Doncaster because she did a lot wrong and yet she still won in the manner of a horse that suggested she could she could have a bright future first and foremost she was very well very well backed on town or you know she was very strong in the market so a big run was anticipated she did it the hard way from the front stayed on very very strongly clocked a really good time for a first time out winning maiden um, and she's been fairly well-backed in, in the build-up to the race. So I think she's definitely on the shortlist. The best Irish form um, up until last weekend, I'll get on to another filly in a minute, is the race won by um, Porter Fortuna at Nace. <coughs> she beat a horse first time off the back called Nav Navassa Island. Now, Navassa Island was the big eye-catcher that day. She came from a long way back. She was actually, I think, making a debut in that race, mm. the Michael O'Callaghan style, which tells you all you need to know there. And Porto Fortuna had had the benefit. The run just did enough. Um, but they were well clear of the rest and the, and the time was very, very uh, favourable. Um, so they've obviously got to go on the shortlist. And, and the other one, if it does run, could almost be, dare I say, one, one of the value bets of Royal Ascot if she turns up here. And that's Pearls and Rubies, who won at Navan, um, I think it was last Sunday. Again, the guy's got... Her doing a, a very good time. A time figure in keeping with Porto Fortuna and Navassa Island. Considering that was her debut run and it was over five furlongs, suggests to me I think she's going to improve as she goes up in trip. Now, looking at Aidan O'Brien's chat this morning, he's done a piece in the Racing Post. You can go and look at it for yourself and make your own conclusions. He's obviously thinking of either the Albany or the Chesham. Now, he's, he's got Diego Velasquez in the, in the, in potentially in the Chesham, who was favourite on debut and didn't run the other day because of the ground at the Curra. He usually runs his, uh, his best colt in that race. It's, it's unlike him to have a runner in the Chechen uh, from, 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 a, uh, from the, a female perspective. But because she's had a run, then he might mm. be tempted to go down that route. Um, but this looks the obvious race. He hasn't got another run, as far as I know, in, in the Albany at the moment. And Aina Braun always has a strong representation in the Albany. So I'd be surprised if Pearls or Rubies doesn't come here and take on her own sex, 14 to 1 with William Hill. I think this horse will be half those odds, or even less. Hmm. She could actually be vying for favouritism um, because I, I think she's going to improve stones as she goes up in trip. I really like her as well. She, she's a lovely looker. Um, so she'd be one of my strongest views in, in, in the TR races if she was to turn up, um, even though I mentioned quite a few. I don't mind Soprano, but the time figure that she clocked at Newmarket's nowhere near good enough. And the one that I'd, I'd really put a fork in is Jabara, who wowed everyone at Newmarket the other day. But the, again, the time figure was pretty poor. 
and I just don't like put backing horses that don't do any kind of figures coming to Royal Ascot. Mm. They often get found out. It usually goes to something that's already produced a number that can prove that can run in a strongly run race. It's all like quickening in a, in a slowly run race. It's, you know, it's kind of like, well, so what? Mm. But uh, it's a different ball game when they go flat out, end to end. So I'd be against the front two in the market. Um, I think the Irish have got a strong representation with Porto Fortuna and Nevada, Nevada Island and particular Pearls and Rubies. And the standout two all for us over this side of the Irish Sea is Carla's Way. So Carla's Way, 8-1 to one best price. That's with Coral um, and Bet UK. Uh, Porto Fortuna is 6-1 to one across the board. Nevada Island, 8-1 to one with Hills. Skybet and Pearls and Rubies, 14-1 to one with, with Hills. And plenty to get teeth into. If you were, uh, right now, if you had... You can ask me to whittle it down to two, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It, I'll take one from each side. I'll go Carla's okay. Way, pick of the UK horses, as far as we're concerned. And... Um, Pearls and Pearls rubies. rubies. Yeah, yeah. Big, big, very, very big on her sheeps to run. Should clarify, of course, if you do back Pearls and Rubies now and it yeah. doesn't turn up, uh, then that will be a loser because we are before final decks. So uh, anti-post rules do apply. I've actually backed. I've actually just took a chance. Yeah, yeah. It's one of them ones where I'm prepared to lose my money. I think, well, 14 yeah. to 1. Because as soon as it's confirmed, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 it's a risk reward. It's like a you know, risk reward <laughs> golf hole, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you try and drive in one and, you know, go, go, for, the, go for the eagle. Um, I think they always say don't do that, don't they? You know, well, yeah, get but the iron out, lay up, and like, well, Tommy yeah, Fleetwood Tommy, stick doing it in Tommy Fleetwood, yeah, <laughs> it still couldn't find the fairway. So yeah, I, I, I've decided to rather dice and have a crack at that price. Next up, it's the Commonwealth Cup, uh, where Little Big Bear is the 15 to 8 favourite, looking to follow up that Royal Ascot success from last year. Sack here is four to one, second favourite Shaquille ten to one, Lazoo ten to one, Noble Style twelve to one, Ocean Quest fourteen to one. 20 to 1, bar those and B. Yeah, um, a lot of conjecture about Little Big Bear the other day with regards to the draw. Um, there was a trap, mass huge track, track bias. Mm. Let's say if he would have been drawn in 1, 2, 3, would he have won? Possibly not. Um, as it is, the facts are that he beat, should have, should have had a ring by what, length and a half, who's rated 102, albeit an improving 102. Um, you know, his, his overall form is, is, you can pick holes in it. Um, I think he's going to be one of those Marmite horses, you're either you know, a massive fan and prepared to overlook that bias at Haydock and just say, well, he's the best horse in the race. He won at Royal Ascot last year. He's the, the, the most preeminent six furlong horse we've got. I mean, his Guineas run was always going to happen. Soft ground, over yeah. a mile, trying to settle him. It, it was a bit of a mess, like, you know, with regards noble style and, and Saki. They were basically trying to put square pegs in round holes, a lot of those trainers. Why they... <laughs> these happens every year. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm just nitpicking in general. I mean, I, I never understand some, some, you know, big, big connections. Why they, why they, do, why they constantly do that every year? If you've got six furlong horse, why, why would you, why would you run it in the Guineas? It's odd. Um, but anyway, look, he, he's a, he's a big player in this race. Would I back him at the price? Probably not. Uh, is the answer. Um, I've got a lot of time with Saki. He was again. He was just. Um, a busted flush at a very early stage in the, in the, in the Guineas, but he, he looked a sprinter through and through last year. The times he was doing, particularly on fast ground, he was he was look, looking electric. Um, some reports say his work hasn't been that great of late at home. I don't know because I don't know if you read too much into that. But if he turns up the horse that he did last year, then he, he's a big player. Uh, interesting runner from Ireland as well. Again, if, I don't know whether this runs or not. Ocean Quest, um, Jessica Harrington's horse. 
got drawn on the wrong side the other day at Nice in a very decent race won by the Antarctic. Um, barring the draw, I think he would have won comfortably. But he hit the line very strong, gave a, a stiff six. I, I think he would be one that you'd have to consider at a price on the day if he was to run and got a good draw. But it's so far in advance, and we don't know yeah. how the track's draw, ride, and we don't know what the ground's going to be like, whether you want a high-low draw. But So it's a difficult race to have a, have a real dogmatic view on at this stage. Um, but um, Ocean Quest would be uh, a horse I'd be considering Ocean Quest, the time. to go into the notebook and see, yeah. see how the draw looks. Yeah. 14 to 1 Ocean Quest is uh, pretty much across the board there. Uh, in the Commonwealth, onto the Coronation Stakes now, uh, where we have a rematch between the front two and the Guineas. Uh, Morge came out on top that day, uh, winner, winning the, the Guineas at 9-1, to one, um, but is 11-4, to four, second favourite behind Tahira, who's the 10-11 to 11 favourite, to reverse uh, that form. Queen for you, 8-1. to one. Uh, Meditate is 8-1. to one. Sounds of Heaven, 12-1. to one. Electric Eyes, 14-1. to 20-1, uh, to one, bar those. What do you make of this? Because, you know, it was a, a ding-dong battle between the two. Morge came out mm. on top, but the, the market suggests that you know, we can expect the, the form to be reversed. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. The perceived wisdom that day was Maud's got first run, and obviously Tahira was pound for pound probably the best filly in the race. Um, it would have been nice to see the rematch maybe in the in the Irish One Thousand, but Tahira yeah. vindicated the view that she is a top class filly by winning in, in pretty comfortable fashion. It wasn't you know a wow performance, but it, you know she did what she had to do, um, and. It's quite clear from, to me anyway, I think that I think the, the, the front two in the Guineas, they would probably be slightly ahead of the Colts at this stage, you know, the likes of Chaldean, etc. Just based on the numbers they did at Newmarket compared to the Colts version the day before. The fact that they pull well clear of the rest. They look too, you know, above average three-year-olds, yeah. didn't they, at that trip. Um, I think the market's probably got it about right. Um, to hear was expected to need the run as well no I think Dermot well said that she was two or three weeks behind and, and, and she proved that when she won at the Cura. so yeah I, I can't I can't really go against the market here um, I wish I could come up with something a little bit more um, um, you know in, in with regards to value maybe Tarawa although I don't think Dermot Weld had run two in the race I thought Tarawa caught the eye behind Tahira in the Irish 1000 she didn't get any run at all and she was going just as well as Tahira when she got a clear run um, but I I think Dermot, knowing the way he trains, he'd probably save her for something on home soil. I think she's entered up to running a Phillies race prior to Royal Ascot. Um, so that, that that would be a bit of shame because 25 to 1 would look a big prize for her. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to get away from Tahira. Particularly the vibes have not been that great for Morged in, 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 the, in the last week or two. Yeah. So we've got Tarawa is, the, is 25 to 1 with 365 in Unibet. But as Andy says, mm. proceed with caution because maybe an unlikely, an unlikely runner here. Um, yeah, as I say, Morge 11 to 4 and Tahira 10 to 11. Um, on then to the final race we can preview on the Friday. It is the King Edward, and this has been a big talking race over the last couple of days because King of Steel, who went so mightily close in the derby, uh, was suddenly punted in from 6 to 1 to 6 to 4 in a matter of minutes. Um, still 6 to 4, best price, a short 5 to 4 in places, but then. Um, I don't know if people would have seen the uh, Sky Sports Racing clip of, of Matt Chapman talking about texting those related to Ammo Racing and Roger Varian and, and everyone kind of claiming that they have no idea where the money's come from. Um, I've looked on the exchange and there's been some matched at kind of 2.7, 2.8, but pennies really. So it does feel like a bit of a, 
a weird one who you want to believe there. But King of Steel is the 6-4 to favourite. Does he run? We don't know. Circle of Fire is 5-1. to Castle Way, 6-1. to Alder, 10-1. to Continuous, 10-1. to Military Order, 10-1. to Canberra Legend, 10-1. to August Rodin, 12-1. to Artistic Star, 14-1. to uh, Klondike, 16-1. to uh, A few other 16-1 to and bigger too. I mean, it's, hard, it's a hard race to preview, doesn't it, at the moment? Because you feel like the favourite is a, an unconfirmed runner and makes up the whole outlook of the race. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he's one that I'd probably, just through instinct, want to take on anyway. You yeah. know, he had a very, very hard race in the derby. It was a good time figure. And he's gone toe-to-toe with the best mile-and-a-half horse around by, by quite a while, by quite some way. Uh, proven that he is the horse that Aidan O'Brien thought he was prior to the Guineas. Uh, look, it was, a, it was a good derby, and he is the form horse, but you have to put it into context. It was, you know, it, it's only a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, will he bounce off that, rebound off that? Will he go on fast ground again? Because he is quite a heavy top horse. A lot depends on the weather. There's lots of ifs and buts, and at the price at the moment, he just makes a limited appeal. If he turns up on the day and everything looks rosy in his guard and you can still get sort of seven to four, then fair enough. But, you know, I can't be tipping him here at six to four um, at, at this stage. Um, I think Aino Brown's going to have quite a bit of a say in this race. Um, he's got one at Tower of London who bombed out on soft ground two runs ago, but he bounced back to um, something like his best the other day on, on a quicker surface. And reading Aino Brown's um, mm. um, stable tours, it were of Royal Ascot runners, he's already earmarked this race for this horse, Tower of London. So at least you know with him, he's going to go. He's going to go, and he's sixteen to one. So I think whatever. Aidan O'Brien's going to run in this race. He'll have some idea of where he stands. Obviously, winning the Derby with August August Rodin, he's going to pick his sort of next best ones that missed the Derby and come here relatively fresh. So he would be a, um, an interesting contender on on many fronts. Um, and and I think you've got to look at Castleway uh, as well, who I thought was really good at Newmarket when he won the other day for Charlie Appleby. Um, again, I don't know whether he comes here or not, but. He's got a lovely way of going, nice stride on him. Um, his time was good at Newmarket as well, for, for those of you that pay attention to the numbers. So there's a couple here that could easily upset the apple cart, whether King of Steel runs or not. Um, so Tower of London at 16 to 1, as we speak, I think that'll go. I think he'll start single figures. Uh, and, you know, sort of Castleway's fairly solid as well. Castleway, 6 to 1. Um, Tower of London, 16 to 1. I'm going to throw one at you. Go on Because I backed it. Uh, Artistic Star, who kind of was yeah. a, a bit of a, an eye-catcher late on in the derby. He was well backed that yeah. morning as well. And then, of course, the former Frank, Torito. Torito, yeah. Winning well after. Yeah, I think Torito will be a big player at um, Royal Ascot, one of the handicaps. Um, don't know whether he'll go King George handicap or whether he'll go Mile and a Quarter handicap. I, 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 I don't know that. But Artistic Star, Star, Star beat him very easily at Sandown. Um, and he ran quite well, as you mm. say, in the derby. Uh, I suppose you've got to look at, view it that if you if we're putting a fork in King of Steel for one reason or another, you, you, you've <laughs> got to you can't change your, your opinion and think, well, okay, what, why why would we be flagging at one that yeah, is yeah. down the field? Um, but it's all about the price, I suppose, in in in, in that respect. Um, you know, one six to four, and the other one, what price is it? Fourteen what, to one. Fourteen to one. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a chance that um, you could easily turn around. Or get closer to King of Steel on a different day and a different track, but yeah, he's he's an interesting runner. Great, that he didn't say it was a terrible bet. No, not at all. On to Saturday, we've got three races to cover on Saturday uh, that we can pri- that we've got prices for. 
Uh, the first of which is the Hardwick, where Hukum, a, a horse that you've had some success with in the past, Andy, yeah. is the 94 favourite with uh, Bet365, a short as 13 to 8 elsewhere, so a proper case there of why you should be shopping around using odds checker. Uh, Freewind is 3 to 1, a par driver 15 to 2, Dover Legend 8 to 1, Changing of the Guard, and Westover and Adayar all 12 to 1, uh, Rebels Romance and Emily Upjohn. Uh, Broom or 14 to 1, 16 to 1 bar those. Again, another race is going to cut up a fair bit in the, in the coming days, but you'd think, well, at least those top two or three in the market should be confirmed runners. Yeah, I mean, we're talking, what, um, it's going to be eight, nine days in mm. advance of, of, yeah. of this race. So a lot of water to flow under the bridge. I think the ground is going to be really key to Hookham. I think if you could guarantee that there was enough rain around next week, and there, there is you know, quite a few uh, forecasts out there that suggest that it's not going to be, um, you know, um, like we've had in the last few days. There's yeah. going to be some, some showers around. And that will really play into Hookham's strengths because he, he doesn't want it really rattling quick. I don't think good to firm will be any, any help to him at all. But he just can't get away from the fact how well he beat Desert Crown the other day. There was a period of, in that race when he, he looked in trouble and he got boxed in. He said, there's no way he's going to fetch Desert Crown out. He was a you know, derby winner and stays the trip really well. And he went by him, I thought, quite readily at Sandown. And he was hitting the line very strong, going further away from a really good derby winner. Um, and that just tells you where we are now with Hookham. I think he's really come a rage. I, think, I, think, I don't think Owen Burroughs gets half the credit mm. he, you know, he deserves because you know, he had a bit of a bad press you know, a few years ago um, when he was given... Um, you know, a, a pressure job of, of handling a lot of those Hamdan Mahmoud Tomb horses. Um, but he's done incredibly. His strike rate is exemplary. I think he's up sort of like in the William Haggis sort of bracket. Um, but his handling of not only Hookham, um, but Amnart has got to be commended. I think Amnart's a, a, a top class horse, and Hookham is just so reliable. Um, he's got great form at Ascot as well. That's the final cherry on the top. Um, so I think nine to four, I'd be more keen on flagging that up that I would sort of Kings of Steel this way. And yeah. I, think, I think the firms that have got 13 away, that they're more in line with, the, with how I see it. Nine to four is with Bet365, a standout price, probably not one that's going to last too long if Andy is right, so make sure you, you get on that if you can uh, in the Hardwick. Uh, next up is the um, Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes, uh, the Platinum Jubilee Stakes last year. Um, renamed back to the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes to pay tribute to the deceased Majesty the Queen. And we've got Artorius is the 4-1 to one favourite ahead of Highfield Princess at 8-1. to one. Ken Ross, 10-1. to one. Art Power, 11-1. to one. Rohan, 12-1. to one. Sacred, 14-1. to one. Elsa Hale, also 14-1. to one. Wellington, 14-1. to one. Um, Stats, very standout with life score bet. 6-1, to one, uh, maybe. Uh, the market price, the reliable price. 20-1 to one Barlow's, Andy. I think of all the races we're going to discuss, um, or have discussed, um, this is the most tricky to get your head around, just because there's so many horses from, from different parts of the world mm. um, um, running in it. The, the, the King Stand, the, 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 the sprint on the first day, uh, hasn't got you know an, an absolute obvious like nature strip or a, you know a black caviar that yeah. setting the world alight over in Australia and you know doing ridiculous things and, and then. Um, you know, carrying all before it at Ascot. You know, you've got Arturus, you've got Wellington, um, you've got horses that have been around the globe, like, you know, your Kinrosses, that Alsa Hales have been out, out in Maidan, um, horse called Cannonball as well. Horses that 
don't run regularly enough and, and, and we, we don't get uh, enough evidence of them against the UK horses to know where, where we're at. So I think this is a real tricky one. Uh, you'd have to respect Arturis, who was obviously very eye-catching in this race last year. I don't know anything about Wellington's form lines. I'll have to apologise for that and for my ignorance for not uh, looking at the Hong Kong form or Shartin form as it is. Um, I think Sacred would be a player, even I think Seven Furlongs is her trip. I don't know whether she'll, she'll go down a different route. Um, the interesting one for me, if it did run, would be Al Hale. I mentioned him. He was third in the Alcor Sprint uh, yeah. over in Maidan. But his form um, and his body of work over in Maidan was absolutely exemplary. He, he won a, a group race first time off the bat, or first time off the plane, as they call it over there, um, in a spectacular style. I mean, the sectionals, um, which I got off turf tracks that day, were, were, were by far and away the best um, of any race, um, even on the straight track over five and six furlongs. So he obviously put in a good shift that day. He backed it up next time out over the same course and distance, winning just as easily. And the only race left for left for because there's no seven furlong race uh, on um, World Cup night mm. was the six furlong event. I don't think they really necessarily desperate to go for it, but you know he was in good form. They thought, well, let's roll the dice. And unfortunately, the draw counted against him. He was drawn in stall two. The majority of the races played out towards the near side, uh, and he couldn't quite come to terms with with uh, Dana, the eventual winner. But I thought he ran really well over a trip which on a flat track like that, didn't really play into his strengths. But this stiffer track, I, I, I definitely haven't been played because I think predominantly you want horses that get seven. Yeah. Like a lot of the, the six furlong winners in the, the, like the Wokingham and, play, and this race in particular have got seven furlong form at some stage in their careers. So he's similar to King Ross, you know, he's come back from seven and one over six. So I, I, I think Al Sahel is, is going to be a big player in this. Has it? Yeah. And he really would like fast ground as well. Al-Sahel 14 to 1 with Paddy's 888 Betfair and a couple of others as well. Al-Sahel, the one for Andy in the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. Finally, the final race we're previewing in this preview is the Wokingham, where Arazio is the 8 to 1 favourite ahead of Kanjar at 12 to 1. Jumbi 14s. Uh, Lear Special is 16 to 1. Fresh 16 to 1. Lethal Nymph 16s. Probe 16s. Summerhand 20s. Astran 20s. Kings Lynn as well. Um, yeah, I mean, again, loads still in this one, Andy. Hard to really wrap your head around again. Yeah, um, I'm going to sort of almost play the old Phil Ruse, as I used to say, and it's a knockout. Play my joker here and, and almost bat this one back to you because this one is just so far away. Like, you could almost get an angle or your head around the hunt cup because, mm. you know, it's only four or five days away. You're likely not to get too bad ground by then. The draw probably might not necessarily be so influential whereas week next Saturday anything could happen they could have had thunderstorms they could you know the ground could change and horse like Arazio for instance the favourite he's not necessarily massively ground reliant but he's two most preeminent performances of late in recent times been on tough ground early mm. on in the season I thought he was brilliant when he won here last time out clocked a big number he's, he's career best so he's he's obviously arriving here in great nick but if it's good to firm grounds week on Saturday and he gets the wrong draw, then I'm going to be a fool saying, you know, he's one of my naps of the meeting. Yeah. But it's obvious I'll come next Saturday if, he, if, if, it, if it was to rain and it was, you know, on the easy side, then I'm going to be putting him up. So your guess is as good as mine. Um, another one I've got a huge amount of time for this season, having watched him, is Probe. Um, 
I don't think it was the wisest thing in the world to perhaps run him at Epsom the other day. I didn't think that track had suited him. I mean, he went off favourite and that sort of theory reared its ugly head. Um, behind Badry, he, he was just like a cat on a hot tin roof coming down that hill. But he was really good at Newmarket the time before when he beat Chairman on the board. And I think that handicap that he won is probably one of the sort of like the key form lines to this race. It had all the kind of Wokingham type horses in it. Um, so if he runs to that level again, and I thought he did really well to win from the draw that day as well. It was a, still 22 or 22 or something like that. It was yeah. ridiculous for the fact that he pulled that off. Uh, and he was second to Orazio the time before at the same track. So he's got a similar chance to Orazio, um, plus that he, he doesn't necessarily need rain, whereas Orazio does. So those would be my two way, way in advance. Great stuff. There you have it. That's our Thursday, Friday and Saturday Royal Ascot preview from Andy Holding. Make sure you subscribe to the Oscheck YouTube channel and there you can find our day one and day two previews that we've already recorded. Uh, thank you very much to Andy as ever no for his problem. tips and insight ahead of Royal Ascot week. Uh, make sure you also download the Oddschecker app where you can find the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms crucially and Andy's tips straight to the app every single morning of racing. Thank you very much for watching or listening to these podcasts. We'll be back again uh, next week or the week after with some more racing previews. But in the meantime, enjoy Royal Ascot and uh, please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.